Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bible, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 is where we are. We're good. We have just two more messages from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians as we've been moving through this step by step. Here's the key concept for today. Jesus changes us for the better. Jesus changes us for the better. Now, as we begin this evening and you find 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I want you to imagine that you're going to the x-ray room in a hospital. Don't call out. You don't need to answer out loud, but have you ever had an x-ray taken? If you have had an x-ray taken, you can envision the situation that I'm talking about. Picture that cold-eyed machine that is over you, and there you are dressed in a hospital gown which allows breezes to flow where you wish breezes would not flow. Before you get into that x-ray room, you've been out in the hall for probably an hour and a half waiting for your appointment to come up, and as they take you in to the x-ray room, they make you get on, sit on this stainless steel freezing table and they lay you out on this table and they get you in a position that's going to be just right to take the x-ray so that they can find out what's going on. It is not comfortable. It is not dignified by any stretch of the imagination. But you need to be there because there's something that's going on that they need to find out about. Maybe there's a pain or an unexplained illness. And this test is going to take a look inside of you and reveal what is normally unseen. Ordinarily, it's hidden, and by the power of this x-ray, they're going to determine whether you need treatment or not. They will determine whether all is well or not. Well, in our passage today, Paul is talking about taking a test. I'm going to refer to it as a spiritual x-ray to look within spiritually. This is what he says, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 5, he says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. He's talking about a sort of spiritual x-ray, a look within to discover those things that normally we keep hidden, that they're, they're not obvious as we walk around in life. Test yourselves, he says. The only people involved in this test, this spiritual x-ray, is you and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no doctor, there are no nurses, no technicians will be there. 
Just you and the Lord are going to analyze this x-ray, but the question is, do you want the test? You see, there are people who refuse medical treatment. There are people who refuse medical evaluation. They go through life saying, you know, really, if there's something wrong, I don't want to know about it. If there's some issue going on within, ignorance is bliss. I'm just going to kind of keep on keeping on. I'll just take my chances, hoping everything is fine. And if not, I don't want to know. Usually, when a person lives their life that way, avoiding a medical evaluation, it usually works out bad. But when you carry that avoidance attitude into the kind of test that the Apostle Paul is talking about, the stakes are much higher. The stakes are eternal. Will you take the test? I don't know if you've ever seen a real x-ray. If you've looked at an x-ray, maybe your own or somebody else's, you'll remember that it kind of looks hard to interpret. It's a black and white kind of negative image. You look at it, and to the eye of the common person like myself, I could look at an x-ray, and I, I don't see anything wrong. I don't, I don't detect any issues with a particular x-ray unless it's dramatic. But a doctor who's trained to evaluate the x-ray might look at an x-ray and see a shadow here or a dark, dark spot there and all of a sudden get concerned because they know what they're looking for. They know that that thing on that x-ray is very significant. But Paul says, examine yourselves. He doesn't say go to an expert and let them examine you. Rather, examine yourselves, test yourself. In other words, he assumes that in this spiritual x-ray that we're talking about, that we will be able to interpret what we see. We'll be able to know whether there's a problem or all is well. That we will know what to look for. And he assumes that because he's already told us what to look for. In chapter 5, verse 16, he says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And that's what we're meant to look for. We're meant to look for change on the x-ray. We're meant to look for newness. There's a, a change that's happening that make, is making us more like Christ. And that change indicates that we're going to pass the test. So what specifically should we look to see changed in this spiritual x-ray that we're talking about today? We should see a new heart, number one. We should see a new heart. The Bible pictures the heart as the center of the real you. It is the deep reality of who you are, your heart. And when you encounter Jesus as Savior, your heart is and must be changed. It's your thoughts, your attitudes, your emotions, your desires, your will. All of these things are said to come from the heart. And before we know Christ as Savior and Lord, our heart is described as hard and unrepentant and calloused. In Romans 2, Paul writes, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. That's the condition of the heart prior to men and women coming to know Christ as personal Savior. It is unrepentant. It is hardened. Jesus 
wants us to take that spiritual x-ray to look and see if our heart has been changed, because it must be changed. Listen to the way he describes religious people, but not godly people whose hearts have not been changed. Matthew 15, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Jesus is saying, you can be religious and be lost. You can go through the motions and not have the inner change that He wants to see, a new heart. And how do we identify this new heart that we're looking for in the spiritual test? Well, first of all, you look for a heartfelt decision to surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior and to experience His forgiveness. We look for this, the answer to this question, was there a time when you simply and honestly turned to Jesus for forgiveness? When you turned away in repentance, away from the priorities of self and sin, and you recognize, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and you called upon Him for salvation. When you recognize that He died on the cross and rose again, and He's returning for us, and all of this is out of love, and He loves us. Was there a time when you decided to love Him back and to be His follower? You see, in any love relationship, there is a beginning. Those of you who are married here today, you weren't born married. Those of you who are dating here today, you weren't born dating. You weren't born engaged. There was a beginning to that love relationship. It was a start. Somebody had to decide, and it's the same with our spiritual relationship with Jesus. It doesn't just happen. You don't acquire it simply by walking in and out of church enough. Jesus says, your lips can proclaim my praise, but your heart far from me. A relationship has to start. You want to hear about, the t about how I proposed to Sylvia, my wife? Thank you, because I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> we went out to dinner. And all throughout that evening and dinner, the ring was in my pocket. But also in my pocket, I had stuffed all kinds of other things. I had papers, I had uh, buttons, I had coins. I purposefully filled my pockets with all kinds of extraneous junk. And then after dinner, we went out to the car, and I slipped a tape into the tape machine. Now, this was an ancient device called a cassette tape. <laughs> I was going to bring one to show you, but literally, I couldn't find one anywhere. But they used to exist, and they, you put them in your car, and they would play you music. And on that cassette tape, I had recorded myself singing Sylvia's favorite song, right? A song by John Denver, as I remember, and I was singing this song on the tape. Immediately, she knew something was up. But she sat there kind of like wondering, and I began to pretend that I couldn't find my keys in my pockets. And so I took out all this junk, and I said, would you hold this? I'm looking for my key. And I put it, took out the papers, the coins, the buttons, the paper clips, all the stuff that I had piled into my pockets, and then amongst all that stuff was the ring. And when the ring came out, I popped the question. And she said yes. <laughs> right? That was important, because if she hadn't said yes, there would be no marriage. It had to start. There needed to be a decision. A decision was called for. It's like that with any love relationship. 
And it's like that in your relationship with Jesus. Repentance and faith, turning to Him and saying, yes, Lord, I want what You did for me. I want the forgiveness You offer. I want to live for You and live forever. See, Jesus went all the way to the cross to provide a way for our salvation. And now He says, I want you to decide to say yes to my love. On the spiritual x-ray, you should see the new heart that came as a result of that decision, crossing over from death to life. Now, you may not remember the very moment when you did that. Some of you grew up in, in Christian families. It was very, from a very young age, you heard about the claims of Christ and you trusted Christ, and you really can't recall in the mists of your memory when that actually took place. But maybe you can recall your baptism. Or if you can recall that moment when you said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what I would encourage you to do is to to write down something that describes these milestones. When was this? When was I baptized? When did I say yes to Jesus? Write down these spiritual milestones. Keep it in your Bible. Why? Because the, the nailing down of these things for sure I can remember. I can it shows up on that spiritual test. It's a stake in the ground that's important. And you want to see that in your heart x-ray. Secondly, you, were going to, you want to see a heartfelt distaste for sin. Because when you come to Christ, when your heart is changed, you get a new conscience. And things ought to show up on the x-ray. Sins that you once engaged in freely, all of a sudden now they give you pause. Attitudes that you didn't nearly think were a problem before, now they're causing you some remorse and regret. Your language should be affected. Shows you watch on TV should be affected. The kinds of humor you enjoy should be affected. Lifestyle assumptions begin to change. We are no longer the same, and it shows up in the things that we do and what we don't do anymore. We're not immediately perfect, but we're immediately in progress when you come to know Jesus. And a distaste distaste for sin should develop, and this distaste for sin should be most keenly felt for your own sin. See, here's where Satan wants to divert us. Satan tries to fool us into thinking that if you're really disgusted by other people's sins, you're passing the test. But it's your own sin that you care about most. It's your own sin that disgusts you the most. Distaste for sin is right, but first that it's applied to ourselves. And when it's not, we're in danger. And what we're in danger of is regrowing that hardened heart. And in that situation, we'll miss the will of God for our lives. Hebrews chapter 3 says, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. Thirdly, a heartfelt desire for the Word should be part of the test, part of what you see. In the spiritual x-ray, part of a heartfelt desire for communication with God, hearing from Him from the Word, being in prayer with Him. See, when you have a relationship with somebody, You communicate with that person. When you have a relationship, there's going to be that time when we're spending time talking. That's a valuable moment. That should be desiring. That should be something that you're growing in. Those of us who are married, you can look back maybe to your dating experience. And if you're of a certain age, you can remember when in the dating experience, really you communicated over the telephone by actually talking on the telephone, not texting. You can, you can remember that. And remember, you remember dating your, 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 uh, your fiancé or girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it was, and you remember that time when you, you really struggled with who's going to hang up first, right? 
No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. No, you hang. Nobody wants to be the first one to hang up, you know, because it's kind of like, wow, I'm just cutting, I'm just stopping the conversation. No, you hang up. No, you. Okay, okay. Look, act three, we'll both hang up. One, two, three. Then you hear click, and you say, she really hung up. What's up? (laughs) You want that communication to continue, and you don't want to cut it off. That's the kind of desire we need to have in our communication with the Lord and prayer and, and through the Word. You know, we serve Him, we learn from Him, we worship Him, but this kind of desire, this communication desire comes as you love Him. And that's a worthy prayer. Pray, Lord, help me love you more. Help me love you more. We have to get our affections in the right order, and when we get our affections in the right order, we'll be able to value that time with the Lord. Here's the right order. Jesus says in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's the right order. First and greatest. Lord, help me love you more. You want to see a new heart in the spiritual x-ray. You also want to see a new mind Your mind is not equivalent to your brain. In Scripture, the mind is the process by which we understand what is and is not true, by which we understand what is and is not real. It's the way we comprehend the world. In Romans 1.28, Paul says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to to do what ought not to be done. Those outside of a relationship with Christ, Paul says, they have a depraved mind. It doesn't mean they're not smart. It doesn't mean they're not intelligent. It means their mind is not seeing reality as it really is because they're leaving out God. It's bent. They're twisted. It's off a little bit, and it causes us to run down towards actions that are destructive. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And in 1 Corinthians, he says, you who know him have the mind of Christ. How does the mind of Christ show up on the x-ray? That's what you're looking for, a transformed mind. How does it show up? Well, it shows up demonstrating a view of reality that recognizes God is in charge and I am not. Therefore, I want to follow him. It's evidenced in a new concentration, a a prioritization of the things that God cares about most of all. That's what I want to have my my mind set on, my thoughts. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's evidenced by seeing the world as Christ sees it, a world in need of a Savior, by seeing sin as Christ sees it. Sin is is not something that we miss out on by being good. Sin is repugnant, and it destroys the soul. That's how Jesus sees it. A new mind will reorient how we process reality. It'll be our operating system, if you will, to see the world as it really is. And all of this will change your routine. That's the third thing you look for on this x-ray a new routine, a new way of living. When you are a believer, you should have a new life pattern because now I'm acting in a way that seeks to honor God. I was reading in a newspaper some time ago now, letters to the editor. Evidently, what had happened is a Christian had written in to the newspaper and was complaining about a particular um, TV show thinking it shouldn't be on, it wasn't appropriate, and it was a late-night TV show. And the letter I was reading was reacting to this person's 
first letter. And the, and the person argued against that, but one sentence cost, uh, caught my eye in the letter it, that this person wrote, writes back and says, what are these Christians doing up at midnight watching TV anyway? <laughs> Do you see the assumption from an obviously unsaved person, the assumption is, if this person is a Christian, they will live differently than I do. And that assumption is right. A routine should be different. One of the problems we face is that we come to Christ in order to go to heaven, and we think Christ's going to be very polite and respectful and keep His hands off my life until I get to heaven. But He doesn't do that, and thank goodness for that. He works in us so that we can establish habits of devotion habits that enrich the soul. He works in us so that we can have habits of exercise that strengthen our body so that we can be good stewards for Him. He works in us so that we communicate kindness and mercy to enrich our relationships. The Lord will establish a different set of priority. The world wants us to care only about material wealth and success and status the way that the world defines it. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes and He says, I want you to care about service to others. I want you to care about love and mercy. I want you to care about gathering together with other believers and encouraging them in the faith. I want you to care about worshiping me and growing in grace. Patterns of honesty and integrity, humility, compassion, and love. These are the things that are to be seen. That's what the spiritual x-ray looks for. A new heart, a new mind, and a new life pattern, a new routine. And remember, as you look at this x-ray, you're not the only one looking at it. Jesus is looking over your shoulder. And maybe he's saying, there's a dark spot there. There's a shadow there that shouldn't be. There's cause for concern. Take the test. Don't shun the chance. Because these are the changes that bring blessing. Would you bow for prayer? And maybe as you have heard me share this morning. When you take the spiritual x-ray, maybe the first change has never taken place. Anybody here today saying, you know, there never has been a time that I can remember when I said yes to forgiveness, when I repented of my sin and asked Jesus to be my Savior. And I've been coming in and out of church but I don't have Christ inside. If that's you, and maybe it's just one person here today, we're going to pause long enough to help you do something about that. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who prompts us to say, that needs to be fixed, needs to be taken care of. And if I'm describing you today, that can be taken care of. It happens in faith, and we express that faith in a prayer that I'm going to help you pray. It's not magic words. It's just a way of saying what we need to say to God. And if you need to turn from sin and self and say yes to salvation, silently in your own heart, repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again. Today, I'm asking you to forgive my sin and be my Savior. And if you pray that simple prayer or anything like it, 
The Bible says in heaven they're rejoicing because they see the first change, a new heart. And I'd like to pray for you and encourage you in this beginning journey. And with no one else looking around, if you, if you prayed that prayer with me just that last moment, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Today I'm beginning the journey of faith. Yes, in the back. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Yes, over to my right. God bless you. Anyone else? We'll pause for a moment. Right here. Thank you, ma'am. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these who have said yes to repentance and faith and the changes that you bring. Lord, for all of us, we're in process. No one has arrived. So we pray, Lord, that we would be soft of spirit and ready of heart and be responding to the way that you nudge us in the direction of faith. Help us follow after you, we pray. And thank you for these who have said yes today. May they be filled with the, the, uh, the, just the confidence to know that you are working in them. If we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Right where you are, just take a moment, and uh, we want to uh, let you hear a song that just talks about the changes that God works in our lives.
just a minute, we're going to leave this place. But if you prayed that prayer a moment ago, whether you raised your hand or not, I invite you to slip forward to the prayer counselors after the service is over. They'll take a little information, contact information, because I want to send you a booklet that will describe this journey that you're on. But maybe you have some other prayer requests, some other concern. You too can slip forward, and the prayer counselors will meet with you, and they will pray with you, and you can lay your burden down. But first, let's stand together and pray all together. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are changing us step by step, day by day, hour by hour. We're not the person we used to be, and we're not the person that we're going to become, but Lord, we're in process with You. So we pray this next week we represent You well and that we see those changes emerge that bring glory to Your name. Dismiss us with Your blessing, we pray, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.